today on CityCast Denver. Let me tell you, as a person in recovery, coffee is important. Especially around this time of year, I get coffee with friends in recovery a lot. I think it's hard to get through all these family gatherings and Christmas parties and the stress of seeing people and the pressure to feel happy in the right way. All that plus a pandemic, it's a horrible time to be an alcoholic. Which is why I was so excited to talk to Tammy and Ryan Canaday. They've built a business and a community around coffee and recovery, and they know how important it can be to share a nice cup of coffee minus the shot of whiskey. Today is Wednesday, December 1st, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Well, Tammy and Ryan Kennedy, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thank you, Bree. Thank you for having us. So I, I'm super excited to talk to you both. Um, i Personally, I'm also on a journey of sobriety. Um, I've been sober for 15 years. And so I love talking to other folks in this space about your experiences. And something I'd like to start with before we really get into things is, Ryan, would you be able to take me back to the moment when you decided to get sober? What was going on in your life? Or was there a moment or something that happened to you that made you want to take this path? You know, in the recovery community, we often call it the gift of desperation, and that's exactly what it was for me. It was a gift. I, I, I hated myself. I was filled with so much shame. I was serving as a pastor at the time, so I was, I was your drunk pastor, and uh, I could not put down the drink. And 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 to to just make the long story short, it was January seventh of two thousand thirteen. Uh, it was a Monday morning. <laughs> And I was drunk and passed out on the couch again. And it was early in the morning. Tammy, my wife, came downstairs. And, and this time she had um, tears in her eyes. And she was holding another empty liquor bottle, one that I thought I'd hidden well enough, but apparently did not. And uh, I'll never forget what she said to me. It was a powerful moment in my life. She said, what are we going to do? But when I heard those words come out of her mouth, something clicked in me. Something said, um, I'm not in it alone. And, and that was my biggest battle. I was so lonely. I was so filled with shame. Uh, what if people find out? What, what, what are they going to think of me? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to lose this? Am I going to lose that? And, and the truth is, like I said, I was losing everything meaningful to me already. Uh, but all that fear came in. And uh, so I said, honey, you're absolutely right. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to call our counselor. We had a, a marriage counselor that we were working with uh, previously. And thank God for good counselors because uh, I called her. I said, Sue, uh, I would love to meet with you again. I think I've got a drinking problem. I can't stop drinking. And she said, Ryan, I'm so glad you reached out. I would love to see you. Uh, but before I do, I need you to be involved in some sort of support group. And I said, support group, like what? And she said, well, have you ever heard of Alcoholics Anonymous? And that started my journey. That was my, my day of new life was January 7th. I, I found a group of people that, you know, they loved me when I didn't know how to love myself. Uh, but today, eight and a half, almost nine years later, I can now, I understand what people mean when they say I'm a grateful alcoholic. They showed me, those people showed me the way out and I'm still involved uh, with, with those people today. They're, they're my people, you know, that they get me when many others don't. And so now my job is to, 
um, help rescue others, those who are, you know, filled with that shame and they think you know, so much darkness and, um, and I get to go to them today and what a gift it is and say, hey, it, it doesn't have to be this way. There actually is a better way. There's a way out of this chaos. Tammy, I want to ask you, because Ryan said something I think a lot of folks um, with substance use problems do, which is we hide what we're doing and we think that we're doing a good job hiding it. What was your experience with that as as a person in his life? And um, what were you seeing and, and feeling and experiencing when he was going through that? Um, goodness, in the moment and in those years where we were going through these motions, I truly was checked out. I was in the corporate coffee world and I was nine months pregnant at the, at the very end. And I think that was, if you say a loved one has a bottom, I guess that was my bottom because I, I was that time, that moment I walked up and said, what are we going to do? I was just feeling defeated. I had been naive. I had been checked out. I was, like I said, just grinding it out, just trying to keep breathing, keep swimming. And I, I was thinking, what if he's too drunk to drive me to the hospital? What if I go into labor and, and I have to call my sister, my friend? So I do feel like it's, it's a beautiful gift sometimes that you can arrive there because I was, I was kind of feeling frustrated and done. He then was like, I'm, I'm kind of feeling frustrated and done. I think that it just so happened that, like Ryan said, the gift of desperation just happened to be bubbling up for both of us. Ryan, it sounds like you got a lot out of those early AA meetings, especially the community aspect. Is that how you ended up starting your nonprofit free? What happened was when I openly admitted that I was a a recovering alcoholic, I got a lot of uh, my, that was a Sunday morning and my email inbox was flooded on Monday. And a lot of people, a lot of me too's, me too's, how'd you put the bottle down? Or my son is battling, my dad is battling. I mean, it was, it was overwhelming to hear the stories. And so um, that got me really curious. And Tammy and I started talking about what would it be like to create space for these addicts and alcoholics and the loved ones of the addicts and alcoholics and create space to break the silence of addiction. So it started in our backyard three years ago. And then we moved from there, and now we just got into our new space uh, just a couple of weeks ago. We host many 12-step groups, uh, including Al-Anon for our loved ones. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a community of, of mis, mix-matched people, but uh, somehow we find a way to hear each other and love each other. And Tammy, you mentioned you came from the coffee world and... Now you all have this coffee roasting company, Wagon Coffee. But starting a business is a pretty big undertaking for anyone, especially for people who just went through what you two did. How did you do it? Well, funny story, Bree. When that same time, you know, Rye was saying that Sue, our counselor, said, hey, go to a meeting. He did. So we met up, had dinner, and he was telling me what happened at his first meeting. He's like, Tammy. Oh, okay. So you're not going to believe what they made me do. Apparently they think that when you serve, it keeps you sober. So they made me make the coffee and that's your job. Like I had to make the coffee and serve the coffee. (laughs) So we laughed about that and, you know, we kind of tucked it away. I should say I tucked it away in my back pocket. And then when Ryan said, Hey, what would it look like if we started this thing together? I'm like, you know, I got you, let's go. But will there be coffee? And he's like, well, heck yeah, there can be coffee. 
So as we were doing some research, statistics say 90% of addicts and alcoholics drink coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's see, how could I serve? What's my gift? How can I give back? So I started roasting at home and serving coffee, and we were giving all the proceeds back to free. So 100% of our proceeds of coffee was going back to free, which was great. But then as it grew and people were wanting our coffee and people wanted us to ship it across state lines, I'm like, oh my, we got to make some choices. And how do we make this into something more that can still support recovery efforts, but grow it at the same time? So that's when we decided to commercialize it. And we call it wagon and we talk about being the wagon and pulling each other up on up and onto the wagon when we fall off the wagon. So that's that century old saying is where wagon coffee comes from. So it's still very recovery centered. I like that image though, because the only time we talk about the wagon is when we've fallen off of the wagon. So thinking about the wagon as the safe place to be when you're on it is is kind of a nice uh, shift in that that image of the wagon. Yeah, and and then as we were exploring too, uh, how can coffee continue pouring back into the men and women? Ryan and I and our board of directors, uh, we decided we we're going to start a free cafe. So Wagon will fuel the free cafe with the coffee and the women will roast these beans. And then men and women will be able to run and operate the cafe. That's an extension, which, again, the proceeds will then. Uh, kind of help float what we do here at Free Spiritual Community in the same building. And that's free as in the organization's name, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so it's called the Free Cafe. Yeah, you do have to pay for your coffee okay. and food <laughs> items, but it's called the Free Cafe. So you alluded to this a second ago, Tammy, but with Wagon Coffee and the Cafe, you have this additional focus on supporting women in recovery specifically. Can you tell me about that? You know, I, I had to do some heart work um, and I sat down and, and I had a friend who, who truly lit a fire under me and, and started questioning my, me and my values because I was like, well, it has to be fair trade and or, or direct trade at least if it's, you know, something where we're giving back or making sure that we're doing good in the world. And he's like, okay, Tammy, that's cool. But as you know, you know well, like this has been around for a while. How can you really, truly make a difference? And as I started doing more research, I saw that women are 50 to 100 times more likely than men to die from alcoholism. Whoa. During the pandemic, the drinking habits for women went up 41%. And it was just boom, boom, boom. I kept seeing these increased statistics around women. Uh, and, and for me, especially being a woman with four kids and just cranking it out in the corporate world and supporting the family, you know, in the very beginning while Rye wasn't doing his master's, I just have a heart for, for women and doing it and trying to make it, especially when they're also trying to stay sober. So that was really what pulled on my heartstrings to pick women. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring up the pandemic situation. Um, my mom's an ER nurse and she's seen an uptick for sure in um, younger women, even with liver issues and things. And uh, the pandemic was very isolating for folks. But something I'm thinking about is, say, a customer is wandering into the free cafe. Um, maybe they don't know anything about recovery or maybe, you know, there is someone in their lives that needs that support. What do you hope somebody who just wanders into your coffee shop is able to get out of coming in? You know, I hope they see um, I hope they see the face of humanity. You know, sometimes um, 
those that don't suffer with this disease of alcoholism or, or addiction, um, they think of the typical gutter drunk. Yeah. And, and that certainly exists. I don't want to undermine it. But so do um, drunk CEOs, alcoholic lawyers, pastors, businessmen and women. Um, so I, I hope what they see is, uh, one, this is a safe space. It's a place where we get real and honest, but we're also people. And I've always said too, Brie, like there's just a different vibe, even from, because I myself am not um, in recovery. I'm the loved one, but I have gotten to know these people. And, and so that, I guess I should expand on that too. Like even in the early days, um, people would stick around and serve and give back and women would stay and say, I don't want to go home. If I go home, I'm going to drink, Tammy. So can you and Ryan give me something to do? I'll scrub a toilet. I will do the dishes. Uh, and I, I see this even when we've had people over for dinner, they're like, can we take your trash out? Uh, I see a heart and a face to recovery that is so centered on service work and giving back and being kind. I think that's a great point too. Um, People want to belong. I mean, that's a human desire is to be with other people. That's right. And that's why we find community in all kinds of weird places. But if you can, and not that's not a bad thing, but if you can find it in a place where you can also get some support or figure out how you can serve others, I think that that's, that's huge. And so I could see your, your space serving folks like me in recovery, but also people that don't realize that they maybe, like you were saying, Ryan, have a congregation full of people not talking about something they have in common. This is a great way for folks to start seeing that, being like, oh, actually, oh, there is somebody in my life that's been asking for support and I didn't realize it. Yeah. But just like being around other people, having this conversation that's normal, it's normalized is, it's the first step. That's exactly right. And, and you know, we, li- we live in South Denver, South and a suburb South of Denver. And, you know, what we see is you can so easily cover this stuff up with affluence and, and, and other things in life. And um, there's just something really powerful about allowing people to break that silence and create those relationships. And what happens in this community is um, addicts and alcoholics are sitting with the loved ones so we don't separate them you know we're allowing those conversations to happen and that's a really powerful thing it it, it creates lots of healing actually well ryan and tammy thank you so much this has been such a wonderful conversation yeah thanks for having us too we appreciate you thank you for having us Ryan and Tammy have been running their meetings remotely through the pandemic, but now that they're gearing up to open up the coffee shop, they're bringing back in-person meetings this Saturday and every Saturday going forward at 7 p.m. I'll drop details in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, Wagon coffee will be served, of course, like it is every Saturday. And we would love to have you all listening. Come check us out. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye.
people also ask, what alcohol can I mix with coffee? Uh, literally any kind you want. Alcohol does not discriminate. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put tequila in coffee, but I've had grosser, I've made grosser cocktails for sure.